Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We've reached lesson 11 now in our Message of Hebrews quarter. And we're talking right. this week about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I typically we think of that phrase as the author and finisher of our faith, but right. we've gone a little bit off here. And ESV. From the ESV, even though mm -hmm. the memory verse actually comes from Hebrews 12, 12 in the New King James Version. So, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a very close tie between founder and perfecter and author and finisher and all these terms, and we're going to see them used basically interchangeably this That's right. week. So, But before we dive in, yeah. just to clarify, uh -huh. because uh, for our viewer audience, I've already gotten razzed plenty because of my, whatever you would call this, attire, that uh, when we do Talking Points recordings, we always try to wear a different outfit each time. Mm -hmm. So we might record multiple ones in a day, but today I just had one shirt with me. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, it was your suggestion that I throw on a sport coat yeah, or whatever else. I'd throw on a sport um, coat. You know, so it's not, there's no real attempt to be hip here as much as it's just well, I think a for lack you, of wardrobe. Well, I think it just comes naturally to be hip. I mean, this man is from an era of hipness <laughs> and it just exudes it. <laughs> exactly. The viewers probably aren't even thinking of it, but I've heard enough in the office just oh, yeah. in the last five minutes. So, in well, fact, my I, wife looked at me and she's like, mm, you know. <laughs> So anyway, well, I think there's that certain age where people start wearing a t-shirt to church with a sport jacket on it, and that's a midlife crisis thing. And anyway, we don't have to get into that. Too much now, said but already. That's but right. Anyway. Keep him in prayer, and we'll move on forward. <laughs> uh, but this week we have drum roll, please, three talking points. But have we have we even prayed yet? We are about to pray. We're about to pray, and then we'll get into our talking yes, points. Indeed. Let's do that. Can you lead us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word of truth and this study we've had, this lesson on the book of Hebrews. As we continue, Lord, we just pray for the continued guidance of the spirit of truth to give us an understanding, not just theoretically, but practically in uh, the role that Jesus is carrying out for us in our behalf and the role that you have for us as his people on this earth in the last mm. days. We thank you for hearing and answering, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was going to say, drum roll, please, because surprise, surprise, we have three talking points for this lesson. Yeah. And the first one, talking point number one, righteousness involves endurance. Mm. Now, that's going, to be, uh, that's going to be an important thing because essentially, yeah. I mean, before we even really dive into these talking points, it's, it's a few introductory thoughts. The material that's going to be covered in this week's study is Hebrews chapter 11 and the first verses of chapter 12. This is usually known as the Hall of Faith, and it recounts the definition of faith and the role of faith in the past right. and how we can have faith as we look to Jesus. So it's all about the life of faith, examples, and exhortations. And so Sabbath afternoon kind of covers that very nicely, and paragraph three is a good introductory comment. So when we talk about faith and activating and living by faith, um, there's a call to endurance or yes. as the, you know, um, well, we'll get into that limit. But all of Sunday dealt with this idea of patience or endurance of the saints. Right. So that's talking point number one. Righteousness involves endurance. Yes. That's right. Talking point number two, righteous people act on their faith. Mm. They don't just have faith, but they live their faith. And that's really the bulk of this week's lesson coming from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. A look at the examples in Hebrews chapter 11 and lessons we can draw from them. And finally, the great application comes in point number three, we can live victoriously by faith in Jesus. And that's entirely from Thursday's lesson. All right. So uh, uh, this would be one of those great lessons. There's good material in the quarterly, no doubt about it. 
but it wouldn't hurt at all if you just picked up your Bible and did a study of mm -hmm. Hebrews 11 and then the first part of 12. Of 12. Yeah. Yep. So Amen. you can do either way. But we're going to go through these talking points today. Number one, righteousness involves endurance. Now, this comes actually from Hebrews chapter 10, the very end there. Um, we're close to the very end. No, in fact, it is the very end. Why don't you read verses 36 to 39 <laughs> as an introduction to chapter 11? Are I'm you there? getting there. My pages are sticking, and I'm like, he's going to ask me to read it. I sure am. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 36 to 39, yes. you said? For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a, little, yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And thus that end of 10 introduces this whole concept of faith and examples of faith and living by faith. But it's, it, it opens with that idea, for you have need, need of, of endurance. endurance. Well, what does that exactly mean? And in the Sunday's lesson, it brings out this point that endurance is a characteristic of God's end time people, without which they will not be able to receive the promises. Okay, that, that makes sense because it says you need of endurance so that you may receive the promise. So, and now... Sometimes when we read... Well, and, and you had mentioned, and we're going to see this, but then he launches into the hall of faith, if you will, mm -hmm. and then picks up again in chapter 12 by saying, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sandwich so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. endurance. So right. it's sandwiched in between Exactly. So it's a bookend of endurance here that the faith is the context of, right? So when we talk about patience or endurance we, you and I have discussed this yes. a little bit that sometimes when we like especially in the book of revelations here's the patience of the saints or, yeah. and we can think especially in an end time crisis that they're just kind of like on a defensive mm -hmm. posture just holding you know, maybe stuck in a tunnel underground in a cave somewhere and they're just like just the Hunker endurance exactly the yes. endurance is a patience just like while everything else is active you just don't make a stir and well and just even hang in out. our english language one thing i've noticed is when you read like for example the new king james in many places where the king james will say patience mm -hmm. the new king james will say uh, perseverance perseverance or something yeah. and you know, the, when we read patience, at least in our vernacular, patience means sit still. Yeah. Right? When your kids are acting up and you're like, now be patient. Yeah. What you're asking them to do is, you know, just, just wait for like all a, the other stuff to go like on. Sit like a you, statue. Yeah. Don't say, don't breathe. Don't. Just, and mm -hmm. that's not what patience means in the, the, the mm -hmm. word that's translated. Uh, again, in the newer translations, translated perseverance is very different. Right. Connotation. Well, and, you, and, if, and if you have the opportunity, you can look in like the Bible Gateway or your, so, yes. and look up patience and see how the different translations, and you'll see uh, endurance, you'll see perseverance, you'll see steadfastness, mm -hmm. like that there's a, there's a more active cont uh, uh, implication to the word than just a passive waiting for everything else to finish up, but you actually strive and push and endure in that well, sense. Well, when you think of that too, patience... In our the way we use it isn't always like for example, um, the Bible says in Romans five one tribulation works patience, mm. and uh, I think it was E J Wagner who said you know if most people will tell you that I'm I'm a pretty patient person most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> but he makes the point that 
a patient, like for example, in a hospital, a doctor's patient is a, he says a patient is a sufferer. Patience mm. comes in the context of suffering. Mm. So to say I'm patient most of the time, who isn't? Yeah. Until the, times the get thing rough. Is, yeah, yeah, when times get rough. And so a lot of times when we you know, talk about our kids, be patient, we're really not talking in terms of what you're bringing up is in scripture. When we talk about patience, it's always in the context of something that is a, a, a tense, a trying situation where you have to push through it if you're going to make it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not just, you, can't, you can't just uh, idly or passively reside in the situation. Mm. That, that when, in the context the Bible uses that word, it has to be pushed through, pressed through. Right. And well, in, in the context of Sunday's lesson, because even in the context here, it says in verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will right. not tarry. So the thing that we're, well, implies the verse, that right we're waiting for that, is Christ verse, to come. Right. right before that in verse 34, it talks about you uh, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. <laughs> right. So they're going through difficulty, yes. right, and build patience. But the thing that they're looking forward to is the coming of Christ, right? That's right. And in the lesson, it makes a point that says, why then would he delay? This is like the one, two, three, fourth paragraph on mm-hmm. Sunday. Why then would he delay? Well, he won't. He already has come to die for us, and he will surely come again, quote, at the appointed time. And it, it, I felt that it was a little bit maybe not flippant or just kind of like offhanded, a glancing blow at that concept. But yes. that, that, that if you take the t- term patience and say things are going to be rough, but just kind of hold out, and someday at the appointed time, Jesus will come. Yeah. So we're just kind of passively waiting instead of actively hastening. And it was G. Edward Reed that mentioned, he, he, he said, he, he, said uh, he would never forget this. There was one time a dear saint came up to him after the meeting, uh, an elderly lady, well-meaning, but she said, you know, Pastor, I can't wait until you all finish the work so we can go home. <laughs> so it was almost like, yeah, we're going to sit and watch and wait and it's all going to happen. Right. And what you're really ad- addressing is, as you have in your notes, Scripture's clear that Jesus could have come at different times. Mm. That we can hasten, in the words of Peter, mm-hmm. in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we can hasten the coming of Christ. Absolutely. And one of the things I put in the notes, just for the point out, for instance, there's this uncanny correlation between the endurance or patience of the saints and the immediate context of every one of those passages has an activity they're supposed to be doing yes. in, in the hastening of Christ. Revelation 14, verse 12, right? Here's the page. Well, the patience of the saints there, the endurance of the saints, that's in the context of giving the three angels messages. The hour of the judgment has come, right? Don't take the mark of the beast. They have a message to preach. Second Peter chapter 3, when it talks about the hasting of Christ's coming. Right. Well, that's the question is, well, what should you be doing? What's, the, what's right. your conduct in, in regards to that? And Matthew 24, the quintessential example. In verse 13, he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Yes. And then the very next passage, and this gospel will be preached in all the world's exactly. witness, and then the end will come. Repeatedly, the enduring, persevering faith of God's end-time people is connected with an activity he's asking them to do. That's right. Not to just hang out passively, but to be actively engaged in something that will not just occupy their time, but by God's grace, hasten the coming of Jesus. So, in defense of of the lesson, on the one hand... Yes, for sure, God, the Lord is going to come. Absolutely. <laughs> and he knows when he's going to come. 
But we have to be careful not to let that take the responsibility off of us that the Lord lays on us. That's right. For with certain tasks that we're expected to do as his disciples. The Apostle Paul says, good soldiers do not entangle themselves in the affairs of this life. I mean, mm. what kind of language is it? like? There's a responsibility of you as a soldier of Christ to do what he's called you to do. So. Well, and I wanted to, and I've included in the notes here, two well-known passages in the spirit of prophecy. One is from the book Education. Why don't you read that one and I'll read yes. the other one. But. Education, page 263, says, In order to destroy sin and its results, God has put it in our power, through cooperation with him, to bring this scene of misery to an end. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, Matthew 24, 14. Right, and of course, the, the granddaddy of them all, Christ's object lesson, page 69, yes. when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them in his own. Now, <clears throat> in, in the next sentence, mm -hmm. it is the privilege of every Christian not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we stop and there again, and say, yes, we're just taking... waiting for character perfection. And sometimes people have taken that to mean, if I just get all the reforms right in my life, but mm -hmm. that's still the inward focus. But there's an, there's this mission, right? Yes. She goes on to say, We're all who profess his name, bearing fruit to his glory. How quickly would the whole world be sown with the seed of the gospel? Quickly the last great harvest would be ripened, and Christ would come together the precious grain. Every single time, whether it's the Bible or the spirit of prophecy, when there's talk about the endurance of the saints and what mm -hmm. their role is, there is an active in perseverance, a striving for something that, by mm -hmm. God's grace, hasten the coming yes. of Jesus. So we don't want to be passively waiting. We want to be actively hastening. Well, and in a practical sense, there's no other area of human life where, uh, uh, um, what do I want to say, P passivity develops anything positive. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know that if we want to get in shape physically, we've got to work at it. We mm. know that if we want to do well in school, we've got to spend those night, late nights studying. Mm -hmm. It's funny how the, when we come to Christianity, it's like, ah, no, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to well. outdo, <laughs> what, what is it we say? I, I don't want to get in the Lord's way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but walk in the Lord's way at least, you know. Yeah. Anyway, you know. Well, it, we become very, very hypersensitive to anything that has to do with works, and here Christ yeah. is like, "Go do a work." And so, well, yeah. I don't want to work. It's like, no, I'm not telling you earn your way to heaven, but help me get. You know, he's, we've messed that up a little bit. So, mm -hmm. we've gone around a rabbit trail. We need to come back in. But the point is that righteousness involves endurance in the biblical sense, which is active yeah. participation in the in the work of Christ. Point number two: Righteous people act on their faith. Excuse me. Bless you twice and a third time. I think this is the it's first point again. in talking points. No, I think we're going to yes. hold off at three, but we've never had a sneezing fit. Yeah, Cameron usually gets in one of these fits and he can go four, five, six, <laughs> seven. So <laughs> I don't know about seven, but... Uh, you just matched our talking points. There's three talking points, three caught sneezes, we're done. I hope we edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Righteous people we act won't. on their faith, M Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And really, this is the big rock in the jar of this week's lesson. It's all about these examples of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11 and the definition of faith that it starts in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We know it by heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So there's this trust in something that you can't see yet, and by faith, you act on it. And then there's a whole bunch of examples. Um, you know, chronologically, all of these are... You know, if you note, if you ever studied Hebrews 11, it's not just a random assemblage of names, mm -hmm. but they're chronologically. It starts with creation in verse 3, then it goes by faith Abel in verse 4, by faith Enoch in verse 5, by faith Noah in verse 7. 
And so it really starts with creation, goes right down through, but it spends a good amount of time and probably between Moses and Abraham, the most central figure in Hebrews 11 is Abraham. Because in verse 8, it talks about how he obeyed right. when he was called to go out. He dwelt in the land by faith. Verse 11, his wife Sarah also received strength to conceive. Verse 12, and so, on and on so, and on. So far, Abraham obeyed, Abraham dwelt, Sarah conceived. Yeah. And there's always you, a verb. Input, there's <laughs> always a verb. And I remember early in my experience, I was wrestling with this because you the whole faith and works debate that goes on among people. And it's like, well, you don't want to try to work out your salvation. Well, actually, the Bible tells us to do that. But, <laughs> you know, you don't want to make it your own. And and trying to find that balance. And it was, you know, at that time in my experience, I remember the Lord leading me to Hebrews 11 and noticing as you go through the mm -hmm. verb that accompanies in every case by faith somebody did something faith and that's your point here faith people act on their faith yeah and as you were of course you were going on with the chronological getting into the story of abraham specifically right but that's the point is that it, it culminates and perhaps the quintessential example in here is the offering up of isaac in verse 17 which says by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac and uh, i'm going to read this a little bit uh i'm just gonna read this whole context here because it says mm -hmm. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now think about the promise was that you'll be a great nation. And now he's got the child of promise after all of the, you know, delay of uh, the anticipation. And then you had Sarah and Hagar and the Ishmael thing. Now he's got Isaac, right? Verse 18, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Okay, so get the con you get the juxtaposition. Isaac's with his great promise is going to come through. Now I want you to sacrifice Isaac as an offering. It made no, and it's still to this day, there's no logical mm -hmm. way you can conclude that something would happen, except in verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So if you go through the story of Abraham's life, you know, you have the highs and lows of his faith experience. But when it gets to the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis mm -hmm. 22, he holds up that knife and I am convicted that he was not bluffing, that he was full flexed, ready to do mm -hmm. the deed, right? And that's when the Lord shouts, Abraham, Abraham. Right. And in that context, it says, now I know, you know, that you will act on your faith, that now I know that your faith is real because you have not withheld your son. And of course he provides a lamb, uh, a ram in his place. Right. And it's a beautiful picture. But what was Abraham thinking? It's not like he saw that it's going to take a long time. But he was looking at something that made no logical sense. And by the way, we're like, well, of course, a resurrection. But think about it from Abraham's perspective. No one had ever raised from the dead at this yeah. point. The only person who had escaped death's grasp was, you know, righteous yeah. Enoch, who was translated. Right. But if someone dies... They're done mm -hmm. in his thinking. It's not until Moses, hundreds of years later. So Abraham says, I can't see any way this works. It's not just saying, I don't see when it'll work. Mm -hmm. I don't even understand how it will work. That's right. But I'm still going to do this act of faith. And so I really see that the culmination, or at least one of the high points of Hebrews 11, is saying, Lord, not only do I not see it yet, I don't even see it at all. In fact, it's completely contradictory to all logic I have but I will trust you. And he made up a thing called resurrection, trusting that God would do that. 
It's really an incredible experience, actually. Well, you don't have the statement in the lesson. We, I might add it into the notes. Uh, I think it's from Patriarchs and Prophets that Ellen White says that Abraham's obe unquestioning obedience is one of the most striking evidences of faith in mm. all the Bible. Mm -hmm. So it's a great commentary on how his unquestioning, and that's what you're talking about, mm. obedience is one of the strongest evidences of faith. It's mm. not faith plus works. Right. As we've said, it's faith that works. His, his obedience was an evidence that he had faith, and that's your whole point here. People act on their faith. In fact, there's a great statement in, I think it's Testimonies Volume 2, it's one or two, where Ellen White says that a man will act out all the faith that he has. Ooh, put that one in the notes. I like that one. A man will act out all the faith that he has. Right, and, and I would imagine that earlier in Abraham's life, he couldn't have passed that test. But now, he says, now I know that you can be trusted. Yep. And um, anyway, it's just a powerful example. And all the examples, you could do the same thing with Noah and Enoch and Abel and Moses is brought up. He's the next biggest uh, uh, example here in Hebrews chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And the lesson uh, rightly brings up how the greatness of Moses, this is from Tuesday, paragraph two, the greatness of Moses was he was able to see beyond the promises of the king of Egypt and look toward the unseen, namely the promises of God. So essentially, Moses couldn't see heaven, but he could see Egypt. But looking at Egypt, he mm. took the word of God over the sight that he had and said, I'm going to choose that kingdom for my glory. And that yeah, was that's it's a amazing. really powerful thought. And of course... Rahab is listed in Wednesdays. The whole Wednesday lesson is about Rahab. Now, I would take a, a slight, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but in the praise lesson the Lord it says, for Rahab. praise the Lord for Rahab. <laughs> She's a fantastic example. There's a lot to learn from her. It does make the statement in the second paragraph of Wednesday that says the most surprising thing is that she, Rahab, is also the thematic center and climax of the chapter. I had to think about that. If I were to summarize Hebrew chapter 11 and say, what's the great centerpiece and the tent stake, the, the main holding up of Hebrews 11, I'm not sure I could say it was Rahab. Now, it is a fascinating thing that Rahab, unlike Abraham and Moses and all the mm -hmm. people listed, had never had firsthand experience with the miracle working power of God. Mm -hmm. She just took by word what the men said, and she trusted, and she right. acted out her faith. And she was blessed, and she gives a great example to us. Praise the Lord. I'm just not sure that I would say, and I, I, I only bring this up as a caution to our, our Sabbath school teachers, that I wouldn't try to make a mountain out of what I would believe this would yeah. be a bit of a molehill, kind of a like almost a distracting thought. Like, oh, so there's only two women, and yeah. this one is the climax. This is the center. This is the everything. Therefore, and start drawing away from the main point of the lesson is that Men or women. We, we talked about this beforehand yeah. as it, it, it sounds like a little bit of a soapbox. And we all have our potential soapboxes. And I think we just need as teachers. Be careful. Yeah. I, I, I was telling Cameron, I remember the time I preached a sermon that, that it was a Christmas program. And I had a bunch of non-Adventist ministers and members because it was this joint ecumenical thing that they, mm. they did at, a, at a, a Epiphany service at the beginning of the year. And I was the one that was speaking, and I made this statement that the very first question in the Bible was God coming and looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? And the very first question in the, in the Old Testament, and the very first question in the New Testament was, uh, you know, man seeking, where is he who's born king of the Jews? Oh, it sounded really great, and I might have heard it somewhere else. Anytime you make these all-encompassing, the very first, the only incidents, this is the whole heart of the... 
what ended up happening is somebody very shortly after there uh, that said came to me and said, actually, the first question in the Bible is, has God indeed said? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, and in front of all these non-Adventists, like the Adventist guy doesn't know his Bible. Oof. And it's just sometimes trying to overprove a point. Yeah, or don't overprove, overstate things. There's mm. no need to. And this is it, this could this could, could either case. it is that or it could lend itself to that kind of distraction in your Sabbath school. class. Not trying so, to find too much fault with this particular point, but using it as a teaching point to say, right. don't go off on those rabbit trails in your classes, please. All right. Anyway, so. But, but Rahab is a great example of what I've in the notes called the sightless obedience. And that's what Jesus prayed yes. for in John chapter 17. He's like, pray for those who will believe on their word, right? They haven't even seen mm -hmm. it. John chapter 20, he, he does give the proof of his resurrection. And he says, blessed are those who don't see and believe, right? That's what we need is the example of those Rahabs who can say, I didn't even see anything and I believed anyway. That's right. All right, let's round this out with talking point number three. Oh, I was going to say, I was looking for it and I was on the wrong page. But there's an, also an excellent statement from Daughters of God in here regarding Rahab and, you know, her position. So, yeah, there's uh, great good stuff material there on Rahab. All right. We can live victoriously by faith in Jesus. Of course, the culmination of all of this, uh, the introduction in 10, the chapter of 11, rounds it out in 12, where it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the aforementioned mm -hmm. group of faithfulness, right? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, the key being, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what does it mean that Jesus is both the author and the finisher? The lesson tries to flesh that out, but I think there would be a great conversation to have right there. They'd get some feedback mm -hmm. in the class. But clearly the author is the... He's the one who authors it. He's the forerunner. He's the right. instigator of it. And so Christ is the author of our faith in several senses. Number one. A book one, without an author is not a book. Right. So he's words, the one who wrote it, the plan. It wouldn't exist without. So right. There's that. So he's the architect of the whole thing mm -hmm. in, the, in the original. And he's the one who lived it out in his own life. The only one who has faithfully lived out the very plan he himself wrote. And now he left that legacy as an example for us. So he is the author. He's the forerunner, as Hebrews mm -hmm. also says, right? But also he's the finisher or perfecter the of our faith. The captain, the archegos, I think is the Greek there. Ooh, I like we that. talked about yeah. in a former lesson. So Jesus has all that authorship of faith, praise the Lord, but also he's the finisher or the perfecter of that faith. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is the crucial issue. It's one thing for Jesus to have had the plan and to lived out the plan and to leave us an example of his success. But what does that do for me? Well, Christ offers to do even more than just write out the plan. He's going to live out the plan in our lives by faith. And this is where the Amen. finishing and perfecting of our faith comes in. Uh, John chapter 14. Well, and, and in the context of this, it's this is one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible because, mm. you know, a person who's not come to Christ yet doesn't share the same concerns as, I mean, how many Christians have you met as a pastor who struggle with their faith and they're like, I just some days I wonder if I'm going to make it. Mm. Well, they know that they're Christian now, which means Jesus has authored their faith. Okay. And if you can acknowledge that, then you just grab onto that second half. Yeah. The one who started the work is going to finish Amen. the work. You know he started it, or you wouldn't be having these questions mm -hmm. about faithfulness you to God at all. You wouldn't be concerned at all, right? at all. Yeah. And so 
to pull those things together gives great hope and confidence. Amen. And, and this is one of the things, whenever, remember when Jesus left, he <clears throat> promised the Holy Spirit would be his representative mm-hmm. and not just be with you, he's going to be in you. Yes. And how many times is he in John 14, John 15, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 6, Colossians chapter 1, I think of verse 27 where he says, Christ in you is our hope of glory, That's right? right? That Christ is not only up there for us, but he's in here with us, mm-hmm. right? And he's giving us, he can finish the faith that he himself started in us. Yes. And that's so exciting. Why don't you read that quarterly paragraph six and seven there from the uh, Thursday's lesson. In the end, Jesus is the perfecter of faith because he perfectly exemplifies how the race of faith is run. How did he run? He laid aside every weight by giving up everything for us. He never sinned, ever. Now it is our turn to run. Though we can never achieve what Jesus did in our own strength, we have his perfect example before us, and so by faith in him and keeping our eyes on him, as as have the others before us, we press on ahead in faith, trusting in his promises of a great reward. That's right. So though we can't do it in our strength, Praise the Lord, he offers us his strength. That's right. And he says, we can live victoriously by faith. There's a great statement like that, uh, uh, Steps to Christ at the bottom of the Yeah, the very end says, by faith you became Christ's, and by faith you were to grow up in him, by giving and taking. You were to give all, your heart, your will, your service, give yourself to him to obey all his requirements, and you must take all, Christ, the fullness of all blessing, to abide in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper, to give you power to obey. Fascinating. Oh, so faith means so much more than we often, it, it's so rich and comprehensive and it's all centered in Jesus Christ. That's right, and he is the author and the finisher of it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the book of Hebrews and we thank you for the Jesus it reveals to us. Lord, help us to look to Jesus as, yes, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for the examples of faithfulness, but Lord, let us, as Hebrews 12 tells us to have our own example written down. Help us to lay aside every weight and to look to Jesus and endure until he comes. So Lord, bless us to that end, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.